Shalom and welcome to the Jewish Mind, where the growth of modernity meets the timeless wisdom and solutions of Judaism. When we look for a precise example of what it means that happiness comes from within and can never truly come from without, I think that a perfect example for this would be the polar opposite experience of happiness, which is loneliness. For starters, there is a huge difference between a loner and the feeling of loneliness. The loner doesn't feel lonely and often feels irritated when he can't be alone. He or she usually works best and feels most productive when he or she is able to be alone. Loneliness, on the other hand, is the feeling experienced when one is sad and not okay in being alone. Studies have shown that the original belief of psychologists that the internet would help relieve people from the feelings of loneliness was wrong. Their original belief was that the loneliness that is driven by an individual's paralyzing shyness would now end. However, instead, it has now been proven that the power of anonymity within social media has a huge amount of lonely people communicating without ever being freed from their pain of loneliness. Let us take this a step further. Loneliness is never relieved by the presence of another. Lonely people experience loneliness even at a wedding while sitting at a table of friends semi-listening to their friend's conversation. In this lecture we are going to explore loneliness and how to overcome loneliness from the perspective of Jewish mysticism. This week's Torah portion called Nitzavim begins with the verses, You stand this day, all of you, before the Lord your God, the leaders of your tribes, your elders and your officers, every man of Israel, your young children, your women and your convert, who is within your camp, both your woodcutters and your water drawers, that you may enter the covenant of the Lord your God and his oath which the Lord your God is making with you this day. The verses speak of the Jewish people as a unified body, all of you, and then speak of the Jewish people as being of ten different groups, from the leaders and elders across the board to the woodcutters and water carriers. The message that God is telling us is that in order that you may enter the covenant of the Lord your God and His oath which the Lord your God is making with you this day, we must overcome our differences and stand unified as all of you. When Moses says in the verse, this day, which day does he mean? Chronologically, Moses actually said this at some time within the last 47 days of his life and maybe even on the last day of his life. On a contextual level, Moses was talking to the generation of the children of Israel who were going to inherit the land of Israel, which was the fulfillment of God's covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. However, on a mystical level, Maimonides tells us that this Torah portion is always to be read before Rosh Hashanah. And commentaries tell us that this day of the verse refers to Rosh Hashanah. The day of, and let me quote to you a verse from our Rosh Hashanah prayers. This day is the commencement of thy works, the, commem the commemoration of the first day. Thus, once again, the message of the Jewish people to the Jewish people is that in order to be inscribed on Rosh Hashanah into the Book of Life for a sweet new year, the surest way is to be in unity as one people. The question which begets to be asked is, why did God create this division of such disparity amongst our people, which would obviously lead to such loneliness amongst our people? Loneliness comes from feeling different. 
which leads to feeling misunderstood, and thus the individual feels lonely. By creating just disparity amongst us, God has created loneliness amongst us. Why? One of the foundations to loneliness that needs to be smashed is the belief that equal and same are synonymous. They aren't. There are no two creatures that are the same. And yet all creatures are equal as they exist within the Creator who created them. Many times when we fight for equality, what we are mistakenly fighting for is sameness. And most of us, most often, if we are given sameness, it will handicap our equality. An interesting exercise for you to do with me now will show the different perspectives between being equal and being the same. Hold up in front of you one of your hands with your fingers pointing upward. Focus your sight now only on your fingers, contemplating the differences between your thumb, your pinky, your ring finger, your pointer, and your middle finger. They are all different, and you may find yourself beginning to even feel favoritism to one over the others. Now lower your focus to your palm and see from your wrist to the tip of your fingers. Suddenly you lose the thoughts of differences between your different fingers and realize how each of your fingers are equally important for you to have the gift of the human grip, which allows you to write, draw, play tennis, or any of your other daily activities with your hand. Suddenly you realize that to have had a hand with five fingers of sameness would handicap the equality of your fingers. The thumb, for example, would lose its edge over the other fingers if the thumb knuckle would be of the same height and position of the other fingers, and if it was of the same amount of joints and slimness as the other fingers. The democracy of equal opportunity is not of same opportunity, but of equal opportunity. And to be able to create equal opportunity for different people, one must first embrace the absolute equality that God has placed amongst all of His different creatures, affording each with equal wherewithal to equally succeed, each within their own habitat and their own purpose. The hand exercise also leads us to a different epiphany, in which we went from seeing five separated fingers into seeing one hand. Our sages refer to the Jewish people as one body, and thus the differences of each and every individual on a spiritual, intellectual, emotional, expressive, and physical level can be viewed either from the partial view of only seeing the differences of fingers, or it can be seen as one body. In the latter perception of seeing all people as different organs of one unified body, we understand why God created us to be equally different and not to be equally same. Just as we understood that the human hand functions perfectly for human activities precisely because each finger is equally different. How much more so does this play itself out in the complexity not only of the hand but of the entire body? Now take this into its exponential understanding of how this plays itself out within an entire nation, and even greater so, within the entire human race, from which you can then extrapolate this truism on its global and universal level of all creatures, planets, stars, and of all beings. Thus, we can now understand that the very differences that separate us make us feel misunderstood and then lonely is what actually unites us and makes us of true value and of completion to each other. For us to function to our maximum capacity as a people, as a race, and as a planet, differences need to be recognized, emphasized, respected, and adored.
My sister once took our attendant family to a rope course. For those of you who may not be familiar with a rope course, it is a course of different activities intended to help shift a group's paradigm from the individual to the group. Many companies have their employees go as groups to these rope courses for precisely this reason. It was beautiful to watch how my children and their cousins slowly realized that instead of each trying to win individually and each grabbing at heroism, that they had to suddenly respect the need for the short, the tall, the different weights, the fast, and the slow and accurate. Suddenly they were truly cheering each other in absolute realization that the other's success was the only way that they can win. On a personal level, I am one who needs to frolic in liberal creativity, always trying new ways. I struggle with the rigid conformers. However, I would never want to be on a plane where one of my own ilks is in the cockpit. As a pilot, I want to only see one of the rigid conformers who otherwise frustrate me. Such it is in understanding our unity. The teachings give the example of how the head is the leader of concepts while the foot is the leader of mobility in which we become all equally different. Interestingly enough, there is a second metaphor given for unity in the teachings which goes like this. When the head is hurting, one performs bloodletting from the foot. In the days of old, when bloodletting was a common cure, one would heal the suffering of the head with bloodletting, and the process of bloodletting was performed through the foot. The beauty of this example is that it is directing us to see that we are all more one body than we are different organs. And this is the ultimate depths of equal differences, where the equality completely saturates the differences on the deepest level of unity, in which the lifeblood of the head and the lifeblood of the foot are one and the same. In other teachings, we speak of the unity of the Jewish people on two different levels. One is the metaphor of different organs to one body, which I quoted to you earlier, while the later, the later one is of two twins to one father. The obvious question is that different organs to one body have a greater unity than two twins to one father does. And yet, the metaphor of different organs is found in the Jerusalem Talmud, while the metaphor of two twins to one father is found over 2,000 years later by Rabbi Shneir Zalm of Leadi. Why would Rabbi Shneir Zalman use a metaphor which diminishes the level of unity amongst the Jewish people in comparison to the metaphor that already exists in our teachings for over 2,000 years? The answer is as that to the metaphor of the bloodletting. If we look from the perspective of the twins, then the unity that they each have amongst the organs of their bodies is greater than the unity that they have amongst the two of them. However, let us shift to the father's perspective. Both children, as they exist within their source, the depths of their father's mind and soul, are both not only two that are united, but rather in their source, in the father's, the depths of the father's mind and soul, they are both absolutely one and the same. They come from the same place. This is why the metaphor doesn't just read as two twins, but it reads as two twins to one father. Now we can understand the solution to loneliness. Simply speaking, the solution to loneliness is to shift our focus from the fingers to the hand. Let me say this more clearly. We must get out of ourselves and into others. This process takes work in stages of shifting our paradigm. However, 
Please know that the process of shifting our paradigm, while absolutely necessary, it is the longer way and it needs to be empowered by the shorter way as well. The shortest road to getting out of ourselves and into others was defined by the great sage known as the Chinuch. Now let me quote to you what the Chinuch says. For the heart of man is drawn after his actions. What this means is that greater than the power of the mind in transforming the heart is the power of action in transforming the heart. So you need to now make a very clear decision. Are you going to just file this lecture into your wealthy database of knowledge and information or are you going to use it to transform your life out of loneliness once and for all? If you want to use this lecture as a seminal transformation, a moment, a transformational moment in your life, create an accountability buddy, tell him that you are going to do a selfless deed every single day and that you are going to text him or her every single day the words deed done after you do the selfless deed. I'm going to repeat this because this action is the primary way to get out of loneliness. If you want to use this lecture as a seminal transformational moment in your life, create an accountability buddy. Tell him or her that you are going to do a selfless deed every day and that you are going to text him or her every single day the words deed done after you do the selfless deed. Now let me share with you my personal experience with this because I have been doing this now for just two weeks shy of a year. There are going to be days in which you are about to go to sleep and you will realize, oops, you forgot to do the deed. You will have to get out of bed, run to a Walgreens or the likes where you know that people in poverty are standing collecting money and you will have to give them a dollar. Sometimes your children or significant other is going to ask you to go somewhere or do something with them that you really don't want to do and you will remember that this can be your selfless deed for the day. And other times, your cell phone is going to read, ring, and one look at the caller ID screen tells you that you really don't want to answer this call. But guess what? Your selfless deed for the day is calling. Now that we are doing our daily action of transformation, we can begin the meditation process of transformation. Here are the meditation steps to letting go of loneliness. There are three steps, and you may want to write them down. Step one of meditation, acceptance. Get over it and accept the facts. We are all different. However, we are each equally different. If you can't accept this, then pray that God helps you accept both parts of this truism. A, we are each different. And B, we are each equal. Step two of the transformational meditation. Find your difference, caress it, embrace it, respect it, adore it, and become it. In our difference, we find our equality in which we and we alone are God's gift to the world. Our specific difference in the way we see things, feel about things, and do things is our area of leadership. Step three, the final step to the transformational meditation that takes us from loneliness out of loneliness. Step three, take advantage of specific gifted selfless moments. And I mean 
blessed moments when we aren't feeling insecure, hurt, or intimidated, in which we can more easily feel humble and selfless. In this special moment, take your meditation to the next level and shift from how we see ourselves in the mirror to how God sees us as a twin with everyone to one Father. Friends, modernity offers growth and growth comes with challenges. Judaism offers timeless divine solutions. The Jewish mind is where modernity meets Judaism.